Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Psychic Teachers. I'm your host, Samantha Fay, and Deb Bowen is not with me tonight. She is starting her Thanksgiving festivities a little early, so we will miss her for the next two weeks. Um, but tonight I have my very, very, very dear friend Jill with me, and she is a prayer partner to me. She is a super close friend to me. Um, she is just a part of my heart, and, and she's taught me so much on my journey of self-discovery about love. Um, so I asked Jill to come on the show. She's never done anything quite like this, so please welcome her um, to talk about learning to love yourself. So welcome, Jill. Thank you for being with me. Hi, Samantha. Thanks for asking me. I'm so glad. I think we're going to have a really, really good time. Yeah. Um, Before we jump into our discussion, um, if you have been a longtime listener, you know that we always do an animal of the week and a crystal of the week. Um, Because Deb isn't here, I'm just going to do the crystal of the week. And if you aren't familiar with our format and you're new to the show, I just want to pause and just say welcome, and I'm so glad that you found us. So I always try to tie the crystal that I choose to the topic of the show. And since we're talking about self-love, I picked pink kunzite because it is such a stone of wonderful self-love. It's a spiritual stone with a very high vibration. And because it is centered on love and self-love, it is a wonderful heart chakra stone. It helps to awaken unconditional love within you. It radiates peace and connects you to universal love. It enhances creativity and encourages humility and the willingness to serve. It's a very protective stone. In fact, um, Judy Hall, in her Psychic Protection book, recommends kunzite as one of the most protective stones, which was very new to me. I always think of the darker stones like hematite um, and onyx as being very, very protective. But she says that kunzite really protects you Um, especially from that inner negative self-talk that we can sometimes engage in. Kunzite will also help to shield your aura from unwanted energy. It provides a protective sheath around it. Um, It strengthens the energetic field around your body. It encourages self-expression. It removes obstacles from your path and helps you to adjust to the pressures of life. It helps you to recover memories that have been blocked so that you can heal them. It's very useful um, for healers especially for healers who had to go through their own journey, their own um, obstacles and struggles to get to be a healer. It helps to bring back lost trust and innocence. It's most effective when worn as a pendant. So 
So that is Pink Kunzai. I recommend that you all check it out um, and look into it. It's quite a powerful stone. Okay, so Jill. Gorgeous. It's gorgeous, too. That stone is gorgeous. Isn't it? I know. Jill yes. works a lot with jewelry and makes the most amazing um, works from some of the best quality beads. The um, She made me a rosary bracelet out of pink opal that is um, something I just treasure and wear all the time. Well, that, I think that's also a stone that speaks to unconditional love, doesn't it, Samantha? Yes, it does. It does. Any pink stone is going to be... Um, super good with nurturing yourself. So rose quartz, the pink opal, the um the the pink kunzite that I mentioned, pink tourmaline is really good for self love as well. Um rhodochrosite is really good for that. And rhodondite is really good if you're trying to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. So Jill, um you and I talk about this topic a lot. Um I know that when I was going through Um, some difficult times, one of the things that I really appreciated about you is you would just send me affirmations of love and self-love on my phone all the time. And I would write them down and put them in my journal and say them over and over. And it was almost, I almost felt like you were channeling because you would just come up with these amazing, uh, amazing words that just had energy in their phrases. And I know part of that started with Florence Scovel Shin, um, but I know that your journey has been taken to the next level with this summer of love that you've just gone through. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, in fact, this summer I got a new mantra that came to me um, that I've used in lots of situations, and it goes like this. There is love and nothing but love in this situation. It says you can identify the situation. Just affirming that essentially love is, the creative force. It is the most powerful force. And in affirming that, we can turn situations around. Uh, This past summer, I got a great book called um, Love Without End by Glenda Green. And I've spent the whole summer reading it, and I haven't stopped reading it either. Tell us a little bit about that, because isn't it channeled? It is is about... uh, a painter named Glenda Green who um, had Jesus visiting her in her studio every morning, every single day. And when he visited her there, he spoke to her and he essentially shared his teachings with her. I would say the same teachings that you find in the New Testament and also in the Course in Miracles. But the New Testament is stories, you know, very simple stories that maybe aren't so easy to understand. And Course in Miracles is extremely almost linear, scientific, philosophical. And this book maybe falls in between there. I find it a little easier to understand. Um, And I think that would just speak to my own mind style probably and life experience. No, I think most people would agree with you. I mean... um you know, Course in Miracles is amazing. I recommend it to everyone, but it's not something you can just curl up on the couch with on a Sunday afternoon, you know. No, you can't. And this one has, you know, it's, I won't, these principles are deep, you know, and I think if part of being human means that we're spending our lifetimes 
and there may be many of them, trying to understand the principles. Even this principle of love, which we often think of as romance, um, we think of in maybe a more Hollywood-type way. You know, Christ talks about this love as a force, and it's a force that we can command. Um, And so I've been reading this book since then, and I... The mantra came to me. I've done a lot of praying with that mantra. In the book, Jesus talks about the sacred heart, which is, he says, a point in our body. It's not the physical heart, but it's near the physical heart. Um, And that's basically where we're commanding love. We're supposed to be commanding love in there. We can. Um, If you think about love in every situation? Well,. If we are conscious of it, yes. Mm-hmm. If we if we are conscious of it, I think in the Bible Jesus talks a lot about the heart, and you know what you believe in your heart will come true. And this heart is, according to this book, is a very complex construct. It's not just a poetic heart where love sits. So it's, it's not it's, as simple as just turn the other cheek. No, it's not that. It's not simple. Because, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., he always, he has that famous quote where he says, it is not darkness that drives out darkness, you know, it is not hate that drives out hate, it is light that drives out darkness and love that drives out hate. And listening to you, I'm reminded of that quote, which I I know I just butchered, but I think I got the the point across. (laughs) When I listen to his words, it is a force. Love is a force, and it does drive out hate, and it does drive out darkness. And I think if I think it's a wonderful way to look at love, not as this um, airy fairy ephemeral thing that we can't live up to, like you were talking about with the Hollywood ideal, but that it is a force that is within us and all around us, and that we can tap into that force. Yeah, and and in fact, according to Jesus in this book, we are that force. Okay, God is that force. God created us in his image or her image, and so we are also that force. And, I mean, it's a lot to wrap the head around, you know, but but this summer a most amazing thing happened. Um, in the midst of all my study, my daughter, who is adopted, um, she's 14. She came to live with me when she was 11, almost 11. Um I, she was in foster care, and then she came to live with me, and I adopted her out of foster care. And she came to me this summer and told me that she did not feel loved. And that was is a very beautiful thing, actually, because I think it's true that most of us don't feel loved, mm-hmm. and most of us cannot admit that so readily. Mm-hmm. And, and I made it so clearly, especially at that age. Oh, oh my gosh, I... I felt like it was kind of a combination of my own studies and my own prayers and her own prayers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was precipitated by, basically she got in trouble for, you know, classic teenage behavior, nothing crazy. It's just that it led us into lots of discussions and she was able to say very forthrightly that she doesn't feel loved. And then we have been able to talk about maybe what love is and what it isn't in a mundane way. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, you know, well, what? when do you feel loved in this home, you know, in our home? 
And she said, oh, when we watch mysteries and when we laugh and, you know, when we do all this fun stuff. And so I'm like, okay, um, we're going to have to work on that because love is more than that. I can't, I didn't say this to her, but I do not know exactly the depths of the meaning of love. I don't know. I'm not there yet. Right. But I know it's more than watching mysteries and laughing. Right. I know it's more than falling in love, quote, unquote, with somebody. I believe what Christ says in this book, that it is a force. There's something that resonates with me about the way he describes that. Well, and And I think it's important to teach our children and ourselves that you can feel love even in the darkest of times. Yeah, and I think there was some soul communication going on. Mm -hmm. To be honest with you, I think there was some soul communication going on that allowed her to just come up and say, hey, I don't feel loved. Right. And I didn't didn't take that personally. I mean, I didn't feel like she was, uh, you know, accusing me. I just felt like she was really sharing her truth, Mm -hmm. which is the truth that many people, I mean, most people feel this way. And I think we feel this way because, A, we don't know what love is, mm-hmm. and, B, maybe we're not receptive to it. That Another interesting thing happened this summer is um, some friends of mine, unfortunately a couple, um, the husband found out that he had cancer, and he has since passed away, but um, during that process, he and his wife were able to admit to a large group of people that they've never really felt love They've never felt love being given to them before this happened. They they were never receiving love. They felt like they were always giving it, but they weren't receiving it. And I remember thinking, that's mighty strange because I know that all these people in this room love them, mm-hmm. but I realized that they weren't receptive to it. And then I realized that I also wasn't receptive to it. Right. That I had not that I had been feeling unworthy, you know, mm-hmm. unlovable. So all this is coming out in, in my study of love and in, in reading this book, reading other books that you and I talked about, Love from Heaven by Lorna Byrne, um, just really focusing on this concept, these things coming to light, you know. Well, and I and, think it's so important to recognize you know, the Course in Miracles says there are only two emotions, love and fear. And I really, yeah. sometimes I feel like that's all you need to know. You know, like if yeah. anything else falls from that, because I, I really believe that most what we most of what we do in life originates in a motivation of love or fear. Like all these people who are trying to be super skinny or super rich or super successful or super young or whatever it is, I feel like it's, they're not trying to have no wrinkles. They're trying to be loved. Yeah. They're trying to be accepted. Yes. It's a condition for them to feel loved. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about that. Let's define that because I think some people get confused when we throw those terms around. Let's talk about the difference between conditional love, if there is. To me, that's an oxymoron, but um, and unconditional love. Um, I mean. Go ahead. I'm not sure I can tell you what unconditional love is. I think I'm not sure I have achieved that, and I'm not sure I've ever given it. But I, but I mean, intellectually, I can tell you that conditional love means that unless things are going my way, 
the way I perceive they should be, I cannot love you or myself. Mm-hmm. And unconditional love is knowing, I think what Price is saying in this book, that love is a force. You already are love. It's mm-hmm. already there. Right. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. It is about just being who you actually are. Yeah. And that's often covered up by the ego and all the ego's constructs that, you know, make us believe, hey, if I'm not pretty enough, you know, if I'm not accepted, people don't pay attention to me. I think these friends that I were talking about, they were so busy in service to other people and believing that their service was their love that they were never recognizing that the love was also coming back to them. Right. Which is, which is, um, I think, a place so many of us find ourselves in. Oh, it's yeah. so comfortable to be the giver. I, I really, you know, that really resonated with me. I realized that I was indignant when they said it, and I was indignant because I, that was, I was actually feeling that way. Right, you right. Know? So that happened this summer, and my daughter told me she didn't feel love this summer, and I'm reading this book this summer, and... And then I'm finding these hearts. I've told you about these hearts. I'm finding oh, these hearts. She didn't be pictures of them. <laughs> they're leaves and they're little pieces of gum on the sidewalk that turn black and they're pieces of paper that I find that are just shaped like hearts. And I don't think it's a coincidence that I'm reading about in this book about the sacred heart and that's the home of love and studying love and these things are coming. And my daughter gets them too. And then I... I sent a bunch of pictures of these hearts to a friend in Florida, and the next day she sent me back a picture of a heart that she saw on the sidewalk in Tampa. Oh, wow. And I think it's just, I think these hearts are around everywhere, but I think it's just really being tuned in to the idea of love and knowing that there are spirits and our loved ones and maybe even different versions of ourselves speaking to us at all times, the Holy Spirit if you want to call it that, speaking to us in divine presence. And for me, it started after my father passed away and I got this heart-shaped leaf and it just hasn't really stopped. And it's very beautiful. And even my daughter said, oh, I'm so glad we prayed these up. That's what she said. I'm so glad we're praying these up because every time she walks the dog now, she's hoping to find a heart-shaped leaf and oftentimes she does. Oh, it's so wonderful. It's so affirming. It's really affirming, and it's. I think that's important to know that what we see isn't all there is, and that what is beyond what we see is loving, is supportive, is part of who we are, um, and that we have access to that at all times, at any time, that we want to have access to that in various ways you know, through prayer, um, through meditation, through communion with our friends, through music. Um, that's a big, big lesson I'm, I feel like I'm here to learn maybe in this lifetime. Um, and you know because you're a medium. <laughs> you know there's this whole existence outside of what we see. Right. And um, it's always there and, for us. Yeah, I, I've really learned that. I mean, I've known you for many years, so I know that you've been communicating um, 
with spirits and departed loved ones. But I think until my own dad died, I didn't really understand that so much. And I don't really communicate with him the way that you do, but we have our own thing. And it's very comforting to me. It's very comforting that um It is comforting to know that that love goes on. And because, like you're learning in that book, Love Without End, because love is a force, I think it's important to hold on to the fact that not even death can stop love. No. No, because the body is um, incidental. Right. Essentially incidental. Yeah. And, and in the book, Jesus talks a lot about healings, you know, and saying the force of love is the healing force. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, he even said that he... The way that he cre- the way that he multiplied the loaves and the fishes was by loving the fish and the loaves that were there. Oh wow, that's, that's such a great concept. And that the way that to healing is to love, um, to work toward wholeness, and to love what is there that is good. Mm-hmm. You know, what is mm-hmm. working about your body or about your systems or whatever. One thing that I see a lot with my clients and with my own life is that so many of us block love because we want to be right in our anger about not getting love. So let me explain that. That's Um, a good point. Like, you know, for, for years I was having this very long temper tantrum. I didn't have a mother who loved me properly, and I would you know, be mad about that, and I would be sad about that, and I would feel um, that something was missing in my life because I didn't have that basis of mother love, and I really felt like there was a void there. And what I have really tried to do this past year is to drop that anger because really, who is it serving? What the hell is the point? You know what I mean? So just to drop that anger and to drop my expectation of a Betty Crocker mom. Um, <laughs> right. You know, a book that really helped me with that is called Fantasy Bond, and it's about dropping the illusion of your parents, like, morphing into this, you know, this fantasy, this ideal of who you want your mom or dad to be. And I've dropped that, and now I just see my mom. I don't see her as my mom. I see her as Carol. I see her as deeply flawed, deeply lovely, loving, hilarious, um, a little bit narcissistic, funny. And I don't expect anything from her other than her to be exactly who she is. So when she does the things that drive me crazy, I'm like, well, that's exactly who she is. And it's helping me to learn to love her unconditionally. That's awesome. Yeah. Which, she's I mean, it's not who, happening overnight. I mean, you know, because I talk to you about my struggles. <laughs> but I'm definitely getting there. She's someone who needs love. She's someone who does not know what love really is, as most of us don't. Right. And and also, as my friend says, she's a child of God, you know. she's One of the more powerful mantras that came to me, this was the year before last, is this, I'm a child of God, worthy of comfort, pleasure, love, and respect. And when I started to say that, when I started to write it, when I started to think it, really, 
good things started to happen to me. I'm going to repeat that, make sure I have it right. I am a child of God, worthy of love, comfort, pleasure, and respect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really like that. You you mentioned that the last time we talked, and I I didn't get a chance to write it down. I think that kind of goes against my normal self-talk, which Mm -hmm. basically tells me I'm not worthy, you know? And so it, it kind of scared me almost. I, I stopped using it because I was noticing things changing, relationships changing in ways I wasn't ready for, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that our self-talk is really powerful. I think the use of mantras is a powerful way to to change our self-talk. Well, what's wonderful about mantras and affirmations is they go directly to the subconscious and they start to change that magnetic vibration that we're sending out into the universe. Well, that's the place that Christ calls the heart. Right. That's what it is. That's what it is. The wow. sacred heart. That's what, you know, what we are calling the subconscious. Mm-hmm. He is calling the sacred heart. And he even pinpoints a place in the body where that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that is the place that essentially does control our lives. Right. And, you know, I think one thing that's important, because I, I want to talk about specific ways we can start to learn to love ourselves. Um, so affirmations and mantra is one of them. Um, but for me, I was meditating on this earlier um, in the month, and I was really thinking, like, what are some good ways I can start to love myself better? And I kept hearing so this is a little embarrassing to it, Mitchell. But one of my favorite <laughs> movies is The Notebook. Oh, yeah. And um, there's this scene when Noah says to Allie, what do you want? What do you want? God damn it, Allie, what do you want? And she has no idea what she wants yeah. because yeah. she always put other people first. And I started to think, I'm like her. I always put other people first. I don't know what the heck I want. Yeah. You know, and then it was so interesting because after I did that meditation and I and I heard Sweet Noah's voice saying, what do you want? I was listening um, to a man being interviewed who had been wrongly in prison for 23 years. And uh-huh. they asked him how he survived that. And he said, well, every day I would ask myself, what do I want? Uh-huh. And I led my life that way because I didn't want to be angry. I didn't want to be bitter. I wanted sometimes just to get through the day. But that's how he got through that, just by asking himself, what do you want? And and so just asking myself that question has been really freeing to me. You know, like if, if I have to, for example, do uh, three volunteer things that I really don't want to do, I'll ask myself, Samantha, what do you want to do today? What do you want out of today? And if it doesn't include those three tasks I don't want to do, I will try to change them if I can. And that's, that's really, awesome. really new for me. Yeah, instead of being beholden mm-hmm. and just doing what other people expect. Mm-hmm. Right. I I think that's really powerful um, because it, most of us don't stop and ask ourselves that. We don't even know that we can actually have what we want. And and we can. I mean, we actually can in a very palpable way. 
In um, every situation. Yeah, but you do have to know. I remember I had this meditation. Um, I was trying to go to the crystal cave. You know, you talk about going to the crystal cave to yeah. meet your your spirit guide, and I I could not get to a crystal cave. I really tried. I I just could not get there, and instead I found myself in the woods. And I was walking through the woods, and then I came out of the woods into like tall grass, like a prairie with tall grass, and then ended up in a cabin. Oh, and I knocked on the cabin door, and I went in, and it was kind of dark in there, and there was a red settee, and I sat down in the red settee, and I waited to see who would show up. And a very lovely, beautiful Native American man showed up, and he had a full deer skin on, and he had an arrow pouch in the back, and he said his name was One Arrow. And he said... Um, he turned around and showed me his arrow pouch, and he said, I only carry one arrow because it's all I need, because I know I'm going to go out, and I need one arrow to get the food to take back to my people. Oh, wow. And then he looked at me, and he said, Jill, all you need is to be certain. That's all you need. Well, I mean, that's true. And that's very powerful. It's very powerful. It's very simple. But somehow, amidst all the self-talk, amidst all the pain, the hurt, whatever, it's difficult for many of us, myself for sure, to be just certain, Mm -hmm. to basically line up our conscious minds with our subconscious minds, our egos with our sacred hearts so that we are certain, because that's what it really means. Everything has has to line up. Yeah, and, and I, I think that doubt is what blocks us every time from receiving the love that we deserve. Oh, I totally agree. Not only do we I, doubt ourselves, yeah. but then we doubt the people we choose to love. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's not really love that we're having for them. Mm-hmm. It's need or it's attachment mm-hmm. or it's the fear of being alone or it's just the habit, you know, habit patterns. I'm with this person or, you know, these just happen to be my kids or whatever. Um, I wonder if we're born with a concept of unconditional love. Cause I remember a conversation I had with my girls, um, oh, this is several years ago, and they were really misbehaving in the car. They were just screaming and fighting in the back seat, and I yelled at them, and I felt really bad for losing my temper. And I said, girls, mommy is so sorry. I said, I want you to know that even when I yell, I love you. I love you so much. I love you always in every way, and I love you unconditionally. And my oldest said, what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, we were passing um, a car lot, a a Mercedes car dealership, and I said, see that big, shiny red Mercedes? And she said, yeah. I said, if you got into that car and you stole it and and, and you went to prison for it, I would still love you. And she was like, really? Like, it, it it wasn't, she didn't understand. Like, I had to really explain that to her, that there was nothing right. she could do that would ever change the fact that I loved her. And she had to have been six or seven. And I just thought, how could you not know that? And so I just wonder, like, why is it that we aren't born with that? If we come right from source, I wish we could come to this earth with that assurity. You know, I... I- I agree, but I think the human experience is is meant to 
deepen our souls in a way. And so I don't understand it. You know, I can't articulate it, I should say. Mm -hmm. I do know I've been in the place where I feel there are no constraints of time and space, where I've been meditating and I can feel no constraints of time and space. And I think that's the sacred heart that Jesus is talking about, and it's really beautiful there. I think part of the reason why I love to read books about people's near-death experiences is because it gets me there. Like, you know, when yeah. you write about how they feel on the other side, that feeling of pure love, I think it yeah. does remind us of where we come from. And we do. We do forget it when, once we get here, um, which is really, really hard. Um, I want to talk about why, if we are here to learn unconditional love, why we sometimes set up such strict and severe challenges for ourselves. But first, yeah. I want to mention that we are sponsored tonight by PeachesGifts.com. Um, please, guys, check her out. She is such a loyal supporter of our show, um, and we would love it if you could support her back. She offers so much in the way of crafting, anything you need for scrapbooking, for stamping, for artwork, you can find at peachesgifts.com. She offers um, discounts shipping. She does international shipping. And if you type in Psychic Teachers in the coupon code, you will get 15% off your entire order. Wow. Yeah, and wow. she offers a free gift with every purchase. Wow. So please check her out, peachesgifts.com. We're also sponsored by Audible. Um, if you love listening to this podcast, which only comes out once a week, so I know some of you wait every Monday for it, um, try try checking out Audible. They are wow. offering you a one-month free trial if you just go to audibletrial.com backslash psychicteachers. You just have to type in your email, and you'll get one month free. What I love about Audible is, first of all, it's super easy to cancel if you don't like it. They don't bug you. You just send an email, and you're done. Um, secondly, if you if you download a book and you don't like it, maybe the narrator's voice drives you crazy, you just send them an email and say, I want to switch out my selection, and you can do so for no cost. Um, the book that I'm recommending this week is the one that Jill was just telling me about, Love from Heaven by Lorna Byrne. Um she also wrote um, a book called Angels in My Hair, which is really good. It's um, about her experience of seeing angels her whole life and learning to, learning about love from the angels. Um, and gosh knows Lorna had a really tough um, upbringing and some really tough challenges, and she writes about how to learn to love yourself in love from heaven. And so you can check that out um, on audibletrial.com backslash psychic teachers. You know, she's really interesting because she did not feel loved by her family when she was growing up. No. Because she was able to communicate with the angels, her family unfortunately thought that she had some kind of mental disabilities. And they were not very nice to her, actually. And yet she seems to stay in a place of love in her life even after she got married, was very difficult financially and then her husband died of an illness and she just stays in this place of love. She's an incredibly uplifting person. She really and, is. Uh, yeah. Her her writing, I find, is very easy. It's kind of like sitting down and talking to her. It's simple and it's conversational and it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I hope people check her out. Um, okay, so... 
like I was saying before we mentioned our sponsors, if we are here to learn unconditional love, why is it that some of us have to deal with so many challenges? Well, really, I, I hate to use alls and nevers, but all of us really. I mean, none of us gets out of this <laughs> this go-around with yeah. that is suffering. Um, we had a lot of Facebook comments and emails asking you and I to discuss um, like healing from traumatic things such as sexual abuse and learning to love yourself through that. Um, and I definitely think that would be a challenge because when you um when you are assaulted that way it it i believe that that assaults you on so many levels not just physically not just emotionally but i do feel that it 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 affects all your levels of your energy yeah i i agree with you I, but there's no simple answer to that because it probably has to do with each person's own experience mm-hmm. and upbringing but i I think that in this book, you know, um, Love Without End, Jesus talks about something that he calls innocent perception, which is essentially the state of not judging. And so much of our self-loathing comes from judging ourselves. Even when we've been victimized, Mm -hmm. we are somehow judging ourselves for that. Yep. You know? And that, at least according to Jesus in this book I'm reading, is... Is the biggest problem, and he says children have innocent perception. They're not judging, and and he says the way that we can un, uh, release love is by staying in that place of innocence, meaning we're not judging. Well, that's easier said than done. I get that. Um, right. I always say that's easier said than done, but I also always say I think just being aware of it is is the key. Yes. It's being aware that you're talking negatively towards yourself, being aware that you're judging or shaming yourself. Um, I, I think shame is such is such a emotion that we, especially here in America, don't deal with well enough. We tend to push that down and avoid it, um, and pretend that we don't feel that that bit of shame. You know, and we're carrying it sometimes through lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really powerful healing experience one time with a good friend of mine who does um, therapeutic touch. Mm-hmm. And the first time I worked with her, she, you know, she said, hey, while I'm working with you, just try to be present with any perceptions that you have. Um, and what kept coming to me was this sense of shame, shame, shame. I said, I feel like I'm releasing shame. And then the next time I worked with her, we we had a really similar session, and she said, oh, when I was working with you, I saw the pyramids. She goes, and that's my sign that a lot of what you're feeling is from other lifetimes. Like you brought it with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't relate causally to, you know, what's happened in this life. It's something you're bringing from other lives. And we, many of us have that, and we're not aware of that at all. Right. There's an une- uneasy feeling, the feeling of self-loathing, feelings of, you know, low self-esteem, and we can't, we don't even know why. Yeah, I, I, and I, you know, and sometimes I wonder, like, do you just accept that about yourself? Because can you shame yourself for shaming yourself too much? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Right. I mean, so many nights I hang up from this show, and I'll I'll just lay in bed and think, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. Ooh, why did I say that? You know, and I just go and judge myself. You know, if your daughter, if your daughter, one of your daughters comes to you, and your one of them is just really upset with herself, what are you going to do? You're going to put your arms around her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're going to hug her. Mm-hmm. You're going to affirm, you know, the the wonderful things about her, and you're going to try to make her feel better. Well, most of us will do that for our kids or our friends, but not for ourselves. Right. Right. Which is so sad. And that's, yeah, that's probably where the that's the rub and the ointment. Yeah, it really is. I think, too, that um, we need to look at our challenges not as punishments, right? but as opportunities for growth. That's, again, easier said than done. But once you switch the lens through which you view your past, you yeah. really can make amazing progress, not only on loving others, but on loving yourself. You know, because I think that everything that has happened to everyone listening to this show has brought you exactly to where you are. And most people would agree that a lot of our painful past have not only helped grow us as a person, but they've also helped us to help others. Right, that's true. You know, I was um, teaching a class years ago and we were doing narrative paper writing and I and I asked the students to write about a painful time from their from their childhood or a really happy time because I was trying to get them to work on describing like specific emotions and this one girl kind of had a little breakdown writing the paper and she came to me and she said my uncle had abused me my whole childhood and I just pushed it down until I wrote this paper and wow I finally started talking to my family about it, and my niece, my little niece, just came to me and said, he's doing the same thing to her. Mm. And she ended up going to the, my student, the older, she was older, ended up going to the police, and they couldn't do anything about her case because the statute of limitations had passed, but they were able to arrest him and put him away for abusing her niece. Now, I'm not saying that she went through those years of abuse you know, just so she could save her niece. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that it made her so powerful and so strong and so protective of other people. And it formed um, and informed her career choice. You know, she decided to do social work. So I, I just, I do think that even when we have a hard time loving ourselves because we didn't have parents who loved us or because we were in the foster care system or because... Um, we were, you know, just awful circumstances. We were physically or sexually or emotionally abused. I don't think we can use that anymore as an excuse not to love ourselves. I don't think we have the right to do that. Well, I agree. I mean, I I agree with you. It's not going to prosper us. We're not going to heal. Right. Um, but it, it basically comes down to that. If, if we are loving ourselves, we're able to work toward wholeness. Mm-hmm. In a more um, significant way, right? Um, and and when we're not loving ourselves, it's much harder. There was a gentleman who came to visit um, the church that I attend, and this guy had 
a very invasive surgery as a young man. There was something wrong with his spine. They ended up doing something to his spine. It ended up affecting his intestines. I can't remember all the details, but the guy had like 28 surgeries, I believe. Wow. They thought he was going to die. He, he, I guess during these surgeries, he got some intensive infections of the spinal cord, if I remember this correctly. Anyway, he basically told this room full of people, it's all about love. Like, you have to love yourself. He said he, he, he says that he recovered from this. It took him many years that he recovered from it against all the odds. He even had his um, colonoscopy reversed, all kinds of things. And he says it was just from loving himself, standing in front of a mirror, Mm-hmm. And looking at his body, which was very scarred up by these these operations, and looking at himself and saying, "I love you," and he said to the people in the group, "You look at yourself in the mirror and you tell yourself that you love yourself, and you mean it, and you don't judge yourself. You just love yourself." Right. And I think that's the commanding force that Christ is talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is very powerful if we can get to it, get through the self-talk, get through the self-judgment, mm-hmm. or even the judgment of others, and get to it. Right, right, and get out of that shame and victim mode. I, I think yes. sometimes we stay in that victim mode because, A, it's comforting in what we know, and, B, yeah. so many of us are seeking validation. We want someone to say, wow. It was bad, huh? Yeah. You know, and you're not always going to get that. And sometimes you might get ten people to say it, and then and then what? And then what? Yeah, do you want that affirmed? Do you want a negative affirmed? Right. No. No. I mean, yeah, so, I mean, I, I'd like for you to show me five people that had a perfect childhood. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. it's, I think it's very very rare. So you might have had some severe challenges growing up. You might have had some awful circumstances that have happened to you in your adulthood. Um, I spoke to three mothers this week doing readings who lost children. And, um, they have stayed with me all weekend. I haven't been able to think about much else because I can't imagine the pain they're going through. Um, so yeah, I mean. We're going to face horrible and horrendous challenges in this life, but I don't think that we can use that as an excuse to abandon our faith in a higher power or abandon our faith in ourselves. And I, I yes, we keep ourselves from ever recovering. Exactly. One thing I talked about with my daughter, we've talked about this quite a few times, is um, someone like Anne Frank, for example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who, of course, she ends up dying, but. While she was a captive, at least according to her journal, her diary, she tried so hard to be happy. She worked at staying positive and using her youthful vigor to remain optimistic. And we, we've we talked about people who experienced, for example, being in these concentration camps during the Holocaust mm-hmm. and then getting out and building lives. Mm-hmm. You know, what is that power that allows someone to do that, that allows someone like, you know, Ellie Wiesel, for example, to witness the killing of his family members, of people around him, 
and come out and still do something meaningful with his life. Mm-hmm. That is the human spirit. That is the force. Okay, that's there's that. I I think in this book, this is what Christ means. That is holding on to the life force, which is love. That's right. Holding on. To I that. feel that it was in Elia Wazell's case. I feel like it was the love of his family that held him because. I have a lovely documentary on forgiveness that I used to show my classes. And in there, Lee Wiesel says that he does not forgive one single German because not one of them have, has ever asked for forgiveness. And he believes wow. that forgiveness needs to be asked. Okay. And um, that one statement prompted the prime minister to, to come to him in Israel and ask for forgiveness. Wow. So just his force of his love for his family and his people created a bond um, between Germany and Israel, which I think is so amazing. That is. Um, But anyway, I I do think that when you're trying to work on loving yourself, you do have to remain positive. But I also think you have to remain realistic, too. You know, I remember when... I was in the hospital um, taking care of Mike, and he was still in the coma, and I found out I was pregnant. Mm. And I remember everybody kept saying to me, well, God only gives you what you can handle. And I was like, you know what, screw that. Like, I'm still (laughs) saying that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, this one woman was being interviewed on Fresh Air. She was such, she's such a talented woman. She's Ivy League everywhere. And she was in a physically abusive marriage for 14 years. And she said in there, in her her interview, she said, I think the worst thing about us humans is that we're so damn adaptable. Yeah. And we adapt too easily to painful situations. So it's not so much that we can handle everything God gives us. It's that we adapt. And I do think that when you're learning to love yourself, you have to look at the life you've created and look at what you're learning to adapt to and think do I like what I'm adapting to? Do I love my life? Do I, you know, do I love what I've created? And if the answer anywhere in there is no, start to think about how you can shift that and change that. And I do think that starts with prayer and affirmation. Um, Jill, do you want to talk a little bit about how you started, um, how you started to use prayer through your bead work? Because I just, I loved that journey that that you went on with your with your beads? Um, I just started to make jewelry, and I got really attracted to beads, and this was very sudden. I really never had a craft or anything. And one night I was making a necklace for myself, and I decided that I would make a prayer on every bead. And I got into this rhythm where one bead was God's mercy, God's protection, God's love, God's healing. So four beats in a row, God's mercy, God's protection, God's love, God's healing. And I, every bead got a prayer. The first time I had done that, I mean, I had been raised as a Catholic loosely, and I had known about the rosary, but I really didn't understand the power of praying through um, mantras and using beads. And so I made a necklace for myself. And then I began to make necklaces for other people, and I would pray on them. And people would get very attracted to these necklaces or these bracelets. 
And then I began to make them, and I would give them names like tranquility or serenity or forgiveness. And people would come. I would might be at a show selling, and people would come and pick up a necklace and look at the name and be like, oh, my gosh, you have no idea. This is big for me. I'm, I need forgiveness right now. Or I'm trying to forgive someone right now, and they pick the necklace that says forgiveness. But you and put so much of yourself in those beads that you could feel it when you just touched your jewelry. I think what was happening is that I was quieting all my self-talk. In fact, I was living alone at the time. My boyfriend and I had broken up. He had moved away. I had not yet adopted my daughter, and I was alone quite a bit, and I was making jewelry, and I was praying on those beads with these mantras, and I was starting to hear what I think is like the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Because I was quieting my self-talk and I was asserting these mantras, God's mercy, God's protection, God's love, God's healing. That was my first one ever. And another one was God's healing love, God's healing light, God's healing love, God's healing light. I started to quiet my self-talk, so I was starting to hear, I don't really think of it as like psychic messages, but just the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And for example... One night I was here in my house and I was making jewelry and it was like this voice said, directed me to call an old friend with whom I hadn't talked in years. That was so cool. I remember that. And and she owns a restaurant or she did at the time and I was like fighting back with this Holy Spirit going, well, no, I mean, she's working. <laughs> it's Friday night. She owns a restaurant. She's busy. But I did call and she happened to answer the phone. And we got into this conversation, which led us to talk about her children from whom she was estranged. And so that was very powerful. After that, she actually got in touch with her kids and reunited with them. But it was through her communication with you that that happened. It was kind of like I was just prompted to call her, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was I could only hear that voice because I had quieted myself, my self-talk. Right. And so that became your active meditation. Yes, absolutely. One of my favorite New Year's Days ever was spent with you. Yeah, prayer beads for the soldiers, right? Yeah, she had, Jill had all of us come over to her house, and we spent the entire New Year's Day making prayer beads for soldiers. It was such a lovely day. That was a really cool day because Mm -hmm. um, it was really cool to be in a group of people working on prayer beads and knowing, okay, we're going to give these to someone who needs them. I had a recent experience where my daughter's youth group at church, we decided to make bracelets as a fundraiser at our church. And so the youth group meets, you know, on a Sunday night, and so I was there. We had all these beads. Well, the most interesting thing happened. The girls left the beading table, and they went to draw posters, and I was sitting at the table with all these boys and the men, like some of the fathers that were there, and the men and the boys were just soaking up this chance to bead. They got very into it. It's very meditative. It's quiet. It's creative. And it's healing. And they were sucking up the healing in that moment. I I was almost having an out-of-body experience because I was thinking, this is so fascinating that these men are here, these boys, mm-hmm. like teenage boys and men, and, and 
you know, traditionally we don't think of beating. We think of girls beating. Right, right. They got a lot out of that. They got so much out of it, and they needed that, and I needed it. I enjoyed it so much. I, I thought it was – it's just important to find that thing that allows us to quiet our self-talk mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and hear the messages from the divine that we need to hear. Mm-hmm. And that is a loving act in itself. It is. It is. It really is. Jill gave me a kyanite necklace. Indeed, I will, I will not divulge any, I promise. But um, I wore it that night because I didn't cleanse it because it's kyanite and you don't ever have to cleanse kyanite. I, so I just put it on. I loved it and I slept in And I slept in it and I dreamt three of her past lives oh, um, connected to that boyfriend that had just left her. <laughs> and it was so powerful for me. I really felt like I was there with you in those lives, and and I know it was because I slept in that necklace. I know that your energy was on every single one of those beads that you had prayed into. Yeah. And to me, it was just such a clear example of how, you know, you really do pray in and pray out of uh, what you're doing, and 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 that is a perfect form of of active meditation, and it's a way to quiet your mind so that you can love yourself. Um, you know, so yeah, because my self talk is, is not very positive. I mean, I just no, mine either. Grew up with a lot of nervous energy. I grew up with you know the same kinds of stuff that everybody grows up with. And we're both Gemini. And we're both Gemini, so there's a lot of talking going on in both of our minds. We get we have two minds, and and I you know didn't realize until I started beating how busy my mind is and how. Um, negative, I guess, my self-talk is. Mm-hmm. But I'm still grappling with it. I, I'm on the healing path, I would say. Oh, and Jill, I can't tell you how much I beat myself up. I, my, um, my therapist, who I go to see, who I just adore, he is working on a book talking about how the energy between couples is a force that is almost like connected to quantum physics. So we were yeah. having, I know yeah. it's really cool. We're having this really cool discussion about that and I said I said, "Hey, Dr. Bennett, did you know that um you can never trust anything an Adam says cuz they make ever they make up everything?" <laughs> 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 and he said, oh, "Yeah, I've heard that one. Um have you heard the one about um how um there's a sign in every like hotel that says Heisenberg might have slept here?" And I said, oh, kind of like George Washington. (laughs) I totally totally missed that Heisenberg is the uncertainty principle. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I'm always, like, beating myself up for being, like, I'm very smart. I know you can attest to the fact that I am very smart. And yet, I'm such a blonde airhead a lot of the time, too. And I beat myself up for that, you know. I said that comment to him, like, on Thursday, and I'm still, I still blush when I think about it, like how stupid I must have sounded. So but, I mean, that's the judgment. That's the judgment. That is the exactly. judgment. Over something so stupid. And that I, I, I do that over all those little things, and I do it over all the big things, too. Yeah. I, yeah, and and I think we all do for the most part, and maybe not even realizing that that's what we do. And I, this somehow this phrase of innocent perception really resonates with me. It's a different way of looking at 
you know, instead of saying do not judge, judge not, saying just look Look at everything innocently. Just look at everything as it is like children do. Exactly. Children don't tend to have a lot of back thoughts. They just say, hey, you know, you're fat. They don't say you're ugly and fat or, you know, you're tall. They don't say, oh, you're too tall and you're weird. They just say you're tall. They just And so they're not judging like it is, in a way like that it. we do. We have a good comment in the chat room Um to end so negative self-talk, start asking empowered questions. That's a good point. That is a good point. And I'm I'd telling love an you, example. everyone, I think you all should start asking yourself this question, what do you want? Yes, that's a good one. What do you want? And to just start, like Jill was saying, to remember that love is a force and that we can we can all tap into that force of love by practicing active meditation by practicing prayer affirmations and mantras and by dropping as much as we can um judgment and shame and guilt and not hiding anything not pushing anything down but letting all of it out the embarrassment the fun the good bad the ugly the happiness all of it you know just share and and be honest with who you are Jill, I want to thank you so much for joining me. This hour has flown by. You have been uh, an awesome you. co-host. Namaste. Namaste to you, my friend. I will talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Good night, everyone. Love to you all, and remember, be the light. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.